Say Goodbye by Too Many Curls. Narrated by Too Many Curls. The story is posted on hpfanfictalk.com. It is rated mature with an advisory for sexual content. James paced his bedroom with a rucksack in one hand and a jumper in the other. His friends would be arriving within the hour as they started on a long-awaited trip. In their fifth year, the teenage boys spent so much time in the forest surrounding Hogwarts that they wanted to spend a proper trip where they were able to spend time out in nature without sneaking back into their dormitory in the morning. Peter had been the one to suggest camping, and Remus insisted they wait until after they graduated so they could use magic without worry of repercussion. Deciding that he had enough clothing for the trip, James plodded downstairs to the sitting room only to see Sirius having tea with his mom. We thought you'd never finish packing, Jamie, Mrs. Potter said brightly. You could have sent Sirius up, James replied, grabbing a tart from the tray. Sirius laughed. And missed an opportunity to enjoy tea with your saint of a mother? Peter burst in through the front door, his arms overloaded with food and other supplies. Hey, Mrs. P. Guys, he said through the load in his arms. After dumping the, his things on the sofa, Peter let out an excited, ooh, treats, before popping a tart into his mouth. James glanced at his watch and tutted loudly, Mooney is late. Sirius opened his mouth to contradict James, but was denied the opportunity when Remus walked in from the yard with Fleamont Potter. Thanks for showing me the right technique for that spell, Mr. Potter, Remus said. I always have a hard time with healing charms, despite how often I need to use them. Did anyone come here to see me or just my parents? James laughed. Your parents, Sirius answered quickly. A sly smile worked from the corners of his face for a moment. You never feed us, Peter explained simply. Everyone laughed, including James. He knew all too well that his parents saw his friends as members of the family and was glad to have a mom and dad that were cool with teenagers hanging about. Fleamont walked over to the supplies Peter left on the sofa and nodded his approval. Glad you thought of food, he commented. I don't care how many newts you boys have. There's no getting past Gamp's law. Oh, hush, Euphemia said with a laugh. These boys don't need a transfiguration lecture. I forgot about the food, except exception, Peter confessed. I just brought some because Mum was worried. She doesn't need to worry, Fleamont smiled. The place you're going is very safe, and you could catch fish in a pinch. Now you have another hour before the port key is set to go. A port key? Remus asked, surprised. Naturally, said Mr. Potter. Can't have you operate somewhere you've never been, and I'm not going to let the ministry tell me when and where I create port keys. We'll leave you guys to packing up the rest of your items, Mrs. Potter said, taking her husband by the hand and retreating to the front porch. We have the cracked teacup when you're ready for it. The four teens looked at the supplies they had scattered around the living room. Silently, they started to condense items so they'd have less bags to hold as the port key took them away. They spent the next several minutes getting all their equipment situated so that it'd be easy to take with them. Magic can help in these situations, but not when the spellcasters have poor organizational skills in the first place. Out of nowhere, James piped up with a complaint he'd made several times over the last few days. Why can't Lily come with us? A groan emanated from the others in the room. The trip is just us, Peter sighed, clearly bored with his perpetual argument. You can't defenestrate our plans just because you finally got Evans to notice you, Sirius explained with a lofty expression. James, Peter, and Remus stopped what they were doing and stared at Sirius. Finally, James spoke up. 
Mooney has been a bad influence on you, Padfoot. Remus's mouth opened in protest. You can't blame that on me. Sirius was a cocky shit long before I had any influence on him. And that doesn't change our plans. It's just us, Peter iterated. It'd been almost a year since Remus and Sirius started seeing each other, not as friends, but as something more than friends. It took a few months of making out in secret for them to talk to James and Peter about the change in their relationship. Their increased sneaking off hadn't gone unnoticed by their friends. It was a slight jealousy that James felt at his friends going on this trip, both as friends and lovers, that made him stuck on Lily's absence. Sirius sensed James' real issue and said, Moody and I won't be all over each other on this trip. That's not why we're going camping. We need to do this as the Marauders. In addition to having the vague plan of a camping trip in their heads since fifth year, it felt important to mark the end of their school years with something exclusive to them. James seemed to sober up at Sirius's words and nodded. Their last year at Hogwarts had been stressful with disappearances, mysterious injuries, and deaths on top of exams, new and complicated relationships, and wanting to figure out their futures. To complicate matters further, Dumbledore met with the quartet after exams to check their interest in taking a stand against Voldemort. He gave them a fortnight to consider what role they'd take in the fight against evil. Once they'd got their gear into a manageable state, the four friends lumbered out onto the front porch where Fleamont and Euphemia were deep in conversation. Is it time already? Mrs. Potter asked. Hopefully this will go better than everyone cramming into Sirius's motorbike, Mr. Potter chuckled. He had been rather blasé when he learned that Sirius, and to some extent James, had been experimenting with charms on an old motorcycle. He was more interested in how well the magic worked, rather than the exact rules on what people could use magic on. James held the teacup by its handle and let his friends find a good place to touch. As it heated up and turned a brilliant blue, they all smiled at the mischief they'd have ahead of them over the next following days. As the four young men landed in an unfamiliar setting, they were quick to notice the camper and its faded blue and white paint job. What is that? Sirius asked, dropping his bag on the dirt. It's a camper, Padfoot, James explained, although he looked quite puzzled by the structure in front of them. Muggles are so confusing, Peter laughed. They make tiny houses to take with them on trips. Remus's laugh rang out. My gran went on a trip with her friends in one of those. It sounded very adventurous. Maybe we should see the inside. Peter was the first one to go up to the door. He paused and looked back at his friends. What? If Mooney's grandmother goes about in one of these, I doubt it's terrifying inside. The low wow of excitement that came from the camper caused the others to file in with keen interest. The interior was not as shabby as the exterior suggested. There were three bunk beds, with larger beds at the bottom and a single bed up top. The dining table was set for at least eight, and there was a note on the wall stating that the plates and the cutlery were self-cleaning, but that they could also be a bit on the aggressive side when it came to how soon they'd clean, so eat up quickly. There was a modest seating area that looked to be more of a study than a place to gather and talk. The kitchen was full of gadgets that none of the teens were familiar with and looked quite unused. I don't think they use this for cooking, Remus decided as he picked up an egg beater with a bemused look on his face. I quite hope that's not for hairstyling. 
My first guess was torture, Sirius barked before adding, but Mummy Dearest didn't have one, so that can't be its use. Peter pressed the red switch just below Remus's thumb and caused a loud whirring and spinning of the attached arms. A startled expression passed over Remus's face as his hand let go of the handle. Instinctively, Peter brought his arms up and managed to whack the kitchen accessory out a closed window with a resounding crash. James let out a low whistle. Three minutes in and you two managed to break a window, he laughed. If I were still speaking with my mother, I would definitely get her one of those, Sirius commented. Both Peter and Remus were bright red through their cheeks. At least that's fixable, said Remus anxiously. Pulling out his wand, Peter uttered a quick reparo and looked absolutely crestfallen as the rest of the glass burst from the window. Sirius's laugh was immediate and loud, but James managed to swallow the laugh before it escaped. Kindly, Remus waved his wand at the window and the glass flew back into place. You've kind of got a jab at the end of the spell, he explained. Yeah, jab, Peter said quietly. We're not cooking in here, are we, right? he asked with a laugh. Campfire for everything. I never want to use a muggle kitchen after this, Sirius said solemnly, but with a wink at Remus. It took less than an hour for them all to unpack and start their fire for the night. Mr. Hughes, the owner of the camper and the surrounding area, left matches for them to use on the fire. The fire was supposed to magically burn until it was put out and would only work in the fire pit next to the camper. That was a useful feature as both James and Sirius packed bottles of fire whiskey that were set to magically refill, and it did not take long for the four friends to lose all sense of decorum and responsibility. Give me another wiener to roast, Sirius demanded to the group at large. Why don't you roast your own, Remus asked, kissing Sirius on the cheek. Keep your pants on, Padfoot, came James's voice from across the flickering fire. He was all too aware of how easy it was to rile Sirius up into whipping out his dick. As Peter often put it, Sirius was very proud of his body. C.O. hot dog, Peter said with his hand outstretched. After catching a hot dog, Peter gave the impaled meat to Sirius for roasting. James gave Peter quite an impressed nod at both the spell and the finesse it took him to catch the flying meat. Have you been holding out on us, Wormtail? he asked with a serious expression on his face. Could you have played Seeker? Only if the snitches were shaped like a... Sirius started, but stopped when Remus elbowed him sharply. I happen to have many skills and qualities that go unnoticed, Peter said with a groundswell of dignity. Such as, Remus asked politely with a grin made wolfish by the fire's light. And the moments Peter took to think of his answer, James blurred out, I bet you wouldn't last five minutes on me, as stag and rat that is. You're on, Peter said with unusual confidence. Before Remus or Sirius could react to this absurd proposal, James and Peter were half-naked and running away from the camper. They were only a stone's throw away when James's antlers became visible in the faint moonlight. My money is on Peter, Sirius told Remus before being asked. My silver says they both end up on the forest floor, Remus laughed. They left me here alone with you. Unsupervised, Sirius breathed, leaning into Remus. I thought we weren't going to be intimate on this trip, Remus said delicately. He treasured closeness to Sirius, but recalled the promise that they would keep their coupleness to a minimum.
That's why we're snuggling next to the fire instead of shagging, Sirius explained boldly. That's if you'd ever be up for such a thing, he added with a furtive glance at Mooney. Remus laughed and put his armor on Sirius. Is next to a campfire that different from the Forbidden Forest? We were considerably colder, Sirius pointed out. That's true, Remus agreed. The comfortable heaviness, that full stomachs, a good buzz, and the company of a loved one fell over Sirius and Remus. I love you, Mooney, Sirius said into the darkness of the night. I love you too, Remus whispered back. You still haven't said what it is you're hoping to do after school, Sirius mentioned, trying to be as casual as he could be about such an important topic while still a bit sloshed. Remus's body went slightly stiff. He didn't have plans for after school. There wasn't a long list of career options for werewolves. If not for lycanthropy, Remus could apply for any program at the ministry and likely get in, but he knew it'd be a matter of time before it all fell apart. No one would willingly keep a werewolf on staff. I'm surprised you think plans after school are that important, Remus replied, deflecting any sort of real answer. I don't, was the reply Remus got. He could hear the aggravation in Sirius's voice. You've always had plans and ideas, though. I'm just not sure why any of those ended after a last NEWT exam. Can we talk about this next week? When we're not out here to have a good time, Remus asked, a slight plea in his voice. Sirius sat, so he was looking right in Remus's eyes. You don't think your future will be a good time? Feeling suddenly vulnerable, Sirius looked away from his boyfriend for a moment. Don't you think you'll have a future with me? It was as if an ice cube had slipped down Remus's back as he realized how he'd hurt Sirius's feelings. If there's anyone I could have a future with, it's you, he said quietly. Sirius looked at Remus again with a small smile across his face. That's if you'll tolerate my condition. Being a snorer has always been a tough condition to tolerate, S Sirius replied dryly before adding, I want to be with you, all of you, especially your wolfy parts. Sirius kissed Remus slowly, letting his hand casually drift to Remus's fly. I thought we weren't shagging next to the fire, Remus teased in a low voice. Oh, please don't shag next to the fire, came Peter's voice. Oi, Sirius said loudly, whipping his head around until he found where Peter and James were standing. How long have you two been there? Longer than Peter managed to stay on this bucking stag, James laughed. Remus laughed as he tried to imagine a small rat riding a stag like an American cowboy. That answer doesn't give me an adequate sense of your voyeurism prongs. We just didn't want to interrupt, James said, as, as he stuck a marshmallow on the end of a stick. That was until you did, Sirius barked with laughter. The next day, got off to a lazy morning with all four boys groggy from the amount they had to drink the previous day. Breakfast was a light affair of tea and toast, followed by more sleep. It was close to lunch when James suggested they walk along a nearby lakeshore. Remus offered to pack a picnic they could bring. What had been a chilly morning with fog started burning off about ten minutes into their hike and quickly turned into a warmer than comfortable than day. Peter laid out a blanket for the four of them to sit on in the shade next to the lake. As Remus unpacked the food, James and Sirius each performed chilling charms on their butter beers so they'd be adequately refreshed. Remus handed each of them a plate of food before taking his own. 
He had sandwiches, fruit, celery with peanut butter, and sweets in the middle of the blanket for everyone to eat. Peter piled food onto his plate without question, but James stopped at the celery. What is this? he asked, holding a celery stick carefully in his fingers. Celery and peanut butter, Grima said with a raised eyebrow. It's delicious. Sirius took a bite out of one of the celery sticks. It's... He looked at Remus sideways. It's a bit repulsive. I like it with raisins, Peter supplied. Mum makes it and says they're ants on a log. At least Wormtail has good taste, Remus said, biting into celery. You two would eat pastries for day and wonder why you felt so sluggish. No, we wouldn't, James said quickly, trying to think of something they'd be more likely to eat for days than delicious baked goods. Padfoot is right, Sirius said mulishly. We'd know exactly why we felt sluggish. This caused all of them to laugh. The sound echoed across the water and startled birds into flying out of an unseen hiding spot. It's really peaceful here, Sirius commented, his eyes fixated on the reflective lake surface. With his family home in the heart of London, Sirius was not accustomed to how beautiful nature could be. Even at school, he preferred limiting his time in the wild to mischief-making of one sort or another. It's a great spot to swim, Peter said with a wistful expression. I didn't bring my swim shorts, though. I didn't pack swimwear at all, Remus regretted. With the heat and the inviting lake, it was a shame not to take a dip in the water. They could skip swimming altogether, but there was only one other option. Predictably, it was Sirius who decided that swimming was a clothing-optional affair, closely followed by James and Remus. Peter was last in the lake as he was not a fan of the gravelly lakeshore and took his time walking into the water. Remus dived under the water, only to emerge several yards away with a sound of water spurting from his mouth. Part Kelpie, that one, James laughed, nudging Sirius. Seeing the smirk on his friend's face, James snorted with laughter. I'm guessing you have first-hand experience with the marvels of Mooney's expanded lung capacity. Do you guys go swimming often? Peter asked, crossing his arms. Not often enough, Sirius answered with a wink before falling backwards into the water. He floated leisurely to Remus, whose hair was flat over his forehead, dripping down his face. Peter and James slowly walked into the water, letting their bodies adjust with each step. Once they got past their delicate bits, the chill of the water felt less extreme against their skin. James got up to his chest before breaking into an awkward breaststroke. Peter bobbed along, making his way to the point where Sirius and Remus were in the water. Reckon there are any mer people at the bottom of this lake? James asked as he eyed a fish. I was able to touch the bottom, which makes this lake unsuitable for the mers, Remus explained. Thought you could get Grindylows, though. They don't need the same water depth. You almost don't need a library with Mooney here, Peter chuckled. Remus's encyclopedic knowledge of magical creatures was thanks in part to his father and his inability to pass over an unread book. The expression on Sirius's face was a tender look of adoration with a hint of lust. When he saw James and Peter exchange a familiar look of exasperation, Sirius sputtered and gestured at Remus. He's being smart and articulate. I can't not have a reaction. James shook his head and splashed Sirius on the face. Peter doused Remus for good measure before getting a face full of water himself. Laughter rang out over the lake as the four friends did their best attempt at soaking one another while immersed in the water. The ruckus culminated in James climbing on top of Remus's shoulders to dive on top of Peter and Sirius. 
The wordless consensus to retreat to the shore made them all realize the item they'd miss even more than swim trunks. Towels. James was the first to remember that they could do magic and cast an atmospheric spell to dry them off. Peter, Sirius, and Remus started to shiver from the cold. Did you make it colder, Prongs? Sirius asked as snowflakes fell into his black hair. It was definitely not snowing earlier, Peter said with confidence. You made the temperature you felt, Remus suggested, his arms covered in goose flesh. Try thinking warmer thoughts. James's face was red, but he focused on the spell again, this time drying himself and everyone else. Much better, he said, before grabbing a dry t-shirt from the ground. Do you reckon cooking in a cauldron used for potions is safe? Remus asked as he stirred soup. Sirius and James shrugged. Peter shook his head as if abdicating any responsibility for knowing the answer. If any of us turns into a toadstool, we'll know not to use Prongs' potion equipment for eating. Sirius laughed loudly. Peter set slices of bread on the stones that surrounded the fire and watched as they toasted in the heat. James made them all drinks while Sirius cast an anti-mosquito charm so they wouldn't be eaten alive. Once the ham and bean soup was ready, James summoned bowls and utensils as Remus got them served up. They were minutes into their meal before anyone spoke. We'll have to cook for ourselves now, Peter remarked as he dipped bread into his soup. Out of all of the changes that graduation brought, that's the first one you comment on? James asked with his eyebrows raised. It's a practical worry, Remus said in Peter's defense. I'm not too worried about it, came Sirius's voice through a mouthful of food. Mooney will keep me fed. Remus blushed as his anxiety about the future floated to the surface. He didn't know what would unfold in life or in the larger world. Coming out of his own thoughts, Remus gave Sirius a coquettish look. Will you be my stray puppy? I tried to put a collar on him once, James commented. Called him Snuffles and everything. He looks hard to house train, Peter laughed. I peed in a shrieking shack once, the first time I transformed. It doesn't mean I can't be house trained, Sirius insisted to a round of laughter. What do you think Dumbledore wants us to do for him? Remus asked, causing the levity to shatter like a plate against the ground. When no one responded, Remus went on. Has anyone else given it thought? Of course we've thought about it, Mooney, Sirius said, placing his hand on Remus's knee. None of us really knows what Dumbledore has in mind. He wasn't exactly clear when he met with us. Peter's eyes looked bright with the flames from across the fire lighting his face. He needs spies and lackeys, he suggested, and fighters. James took a deep breath as they made eye contact with each of his friends in turn. This isn't my finest Gryffindor moment, but I'm afraid. Sirius shrugged nonchalantly. We're all afraid, he said, as if it were an obvious emotion to have with current events. Sure, James agreed. There's an air of fear that everyone feels to some extent. But I am afraid, like a child with a dementor in their closet, or someone being chased through a quidditch field. I am too, Remus confessed in a quiet voice. Sirius looked at him, a hint of surprise on his face. Every morning I wonder if that will be the day that Voldemort tells his followers to eliminate my kind, or worse, recruit us. It was weird for Sirius, James, and Peter to think of Remus as belonging to an entirely other grouping that wasn't the Marauders. Sirius put a protective arm around Remus and whispered something in his ear the others couldn't hear. His words brought tears to Remus's eyes and a slight smile to his face. We can hide you, Peter said boldly. 
James and Sirius exchanged a quick look and suppressed a laugh that Peter's occasional bravado brought to them. We've always stuck together, James said somberly. Nothing changes now that we're out of school. The conversation meandered away from their current worries and towards lighter topics and juvenile jocularities. That is to say, the fire whiskey came out to dance with them around the fire. The moon was high in the sky when James, soon followed by Peter, went to bed. Remus felt quite at ease with Sirius next to him and the dying fire at their feet. Sirius had been casually touching him through the night, which was driving Remus mad with desire. Now that they were alone, Remus was focused on one outcome, shagging Sirius Black. He started on his quest by putting a hand on Sirius's thigh, as the other talked about an album coming out later in the summer. It wasn't until Remus's hand was slowly snaking up said thigh that Sirius stopped talking and caught the hungry look in his boyfriend's eyes. Sirius's stomach flipped with excitement. Have you ever watched the sunrise? Remus whispered into Sirius's neck. The question took Sirius by surprise. Um, I don't think so. He both hated and loved how Mooney could make him feel so disarmed and vulnerable. I'm not into watching the dawn, but I'd like to see you rise in the morning, Remus murmured. This was both too ridiculous and seductive. Remus was impossibly both sometimes. Laughing, Sirius asked, Do you expect a line like that to work on me? Remus's hand casually brushed over Sirius's crotch. By all measures it did, he replied with a smug smile. It did, Sirius agreed. And there's no way of waiting until morning. Not when I've wanted you all day. Sirius straddled Remus's lap, causing both of them to fall over and land behind the log that they had been sitting on. The upheaval didn't stop Remus from catching Sirius's mouth in a hungry kiss. As Sirius tugged Remus's shirt up, Remus found the fly on Sirius's jeans. Do you have to wear all these bloody clothes? Remus growled in frustration. James won't let me become a nudist, Sirius retorted. But if you and I get a flat together, I promise never to wear clothes. Nonsense, said Remus, pushing the waist of Sirius's jeans down. We'll never get anything done. Right now, that sounds brilliant, Sirius gasped as he felt Remus's mouth against his torso. They'd sojourned to the Hogwarts ground for sex and other misdemeanors so often that the rough ground was hardly noticeable to the two lovers. Remus thought it was even a smidge more luxurious than they were used to, as there were a handful of blankets at their disposal. When they laid naked under the blankets with the stars above them, nothing else mattered. Remus smiled to himself as Sirius's whispered words from earlier replayed in his head. Nothing can take you from me. Their final morning camping was quiet, much like the Gryffindor common room the day after a massive party. Sirius and Remus had gone to bed hours after James and Peter, only to find them still awake playing cards. Together, they all stayed up until almost dawn, causing Sirius to suggest he and Remus watch the sun come up over the trees. They both went to the top of the camper with blankets and fell asleep just as the sun peeked over the horizon. It was the heat of the day that caused Sirius and Remus to stir. They went inside the camper only to find James and Peter passed out in their respective beds. I'll get tea going, Sirius said with a smile. You rouse those two. Remus summoned the blankets off the bed, causing James's eyes to flutter awake, but Peter was not affected by the sudden cold. Try a bucket of water, James yawned. A muffled voice came from Peter's bed. Don't. You. Dare. 
Looks like we slept through the better part of the morning, Remus told the other two. Sirius is getting tea, and I think we should at least have lunch before leaving. Great. I'm starving, Peter managed through a long yawn. James and Remus made sandwiches as Peter mustered the will to get out of bed. Soon enough, they were all sat outside with a decent spread of food and hot tea to wash it all down. I still haven't processed the fact that old McGonagall won't have me in any more detention, Sirius said with a thoughtful expression. My silver says she'll still manage a few more, James laughed. One might think you like spending time in her detention, Remus suggested with his brow raised. Half our graduating class expects the two of you will end up married over the summer, Peter teased as he guffawed slightly. I'm going to do it, James announced without preamble. Mary McGonagall, Remus asked carefully. Seemed sudden, but congratulations. James rolled his eyes. Padfoot has been a bad influence on you, Mooney. I'm going to fight and join Dumbledore's order, or whatever it is he's doing. You are? Peter asked as he looked into James's determined face. I am too, Remus said in a quiet but strong voice. Sirius was far less somber in his decision-making. I gotta join to counter all the blacks on the wrong side of this, he said. Plus, I'll go wherever there's a decent fight. I'm joining with you lot, Peter said, finally resolute. I'd rather go into danger with my friends than hide away alone. They all nodded in agreement. They all nodded in agreement, then James added, it sounded a bit dangerous outside last night. Remus and Sirius shared a secret smile, goading James further. The least you two could do is a charm to muffle the sound, he said exasperated. Peter laughed, his nose scrunching up. Peter laughed, his nose scrunching up. It was all Mooney this and Padfoot that. Honestly, I'll have nightmares now. Oh, shut it, Sirius laughed. You heard no such thing. The teasing and laughter felt as natural as it always had, despite all the changes and uncertainty the four friends faced in the coming months. The one constant that would go unchanged was their bond of friendship and love.